Thursday live from the ESPN 690 and Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. It, it, it just needs to be number one, a leader of men. Number two, it's got to be somebody that's just, it's, it's about ball. You know what I mean? It's about winning. So whatever advantages or disadvantages we may, we may or may not have, we need to, you know, maximize our advantages and minimize our disadvantages. So whatever coach is about just winning, we just got to win. All that player friendly, he's a nice coach and all that. We don't really care about that. We we, we want to win. I mean, me personally, I'm tired of losing. So, yeah, I, I just want a coach that's one, a leader of men, and somebody that just truly, truly is all about ball and winning. All that other stuff doesn't matter. That is Miles Jack. Thought he was really good today. And it, listen, it is a, he's a guy who's been through a lot of different things here in Jacksonville. Now a veteran, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and I don't know where he fits in the future plans. I've, he's got to be more consistent in my estimation. I think he's a. I, I believe in his talent. I just don't know where he fits in some of these defenses sometimes. Last year, he was really good. Uh, this year, I feel like he's been less than good. He does have over 100 tackles, but uh, where does uh, Miles Jack fit? I think it's a curiosity as we move forward. He's got some time left on that contract that he signed a couple of years ago. Brent Martin, along with Austin Lane and Casey Kurtz. String Sports Brewery, the place here on a Thursday here in Springfield. Love coming out here. And uh, we'll be here tonight, 7 o'clock. Jaguars all access one final time in uh, the 2021 season as the Jag season comes to an end on Sunday. I actually saw a Colts fan out here. Uh, some Colts people. Oh, yeah, look. Right behind me, if you look in the video feeds, we've got a Hilton jersey. Hmm. Colts fans already in town? Man, I, I can't, guess maybe. I can't wait for Sunday morning jersey bingo. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> yeah, time. That's, that's right. We do that on ESPN 690. Game day live from the uh, Duval House. One final time there as well. Uh, bingo or bozo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Might have to play that game. Whatever that game is. We're yeah, gonna, we shall see. We're going to need a lot of games to play, Brent. <laughs> That's a good point. Not, not really a lot of game to break down. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Two-hour two hour show around the NFL we go in Week 18. There's really not a lot to break down in the NFL. There's one game that has a ton of meeting, and there are a couple that have others, and then the rest is just seeding yeah. uh, in the playoffs. So I actually thought we'd get a bit more intrigue than we're getting in the final week of the season. How about you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, the way that was set up, you know, the extra game, extra playoff teams, you think. But, yeah, I, I guess, you know, overall it's been kind of underwhelming. So, yeah, I definitely expected more drama as well. A lot of teams are bad. Like, yeah. that's just what it boils down to. There's not as many – there's way more bad teams than good teams, so it didn't really – not a lot of drama left. Yeah. Okay, Casey, have you heard of Paperboy? Uh, no, I got yelled at. Well, I'm you, s- yeah. yeah, I'm just disappointed in everybody here. Like, somebody you, – You can't talk arcade games and then not know what Paperboy is. I reach uh, – some – Chef Chris says you've never heard of Paperboy? Yeah, as <laughs> Chef Chris should me. say, yeah. I more or less called it intense Frogger and then got yelled at again. Well, so that's yeah, kind of what you're looking at. There's more to it. But Casey, like I understand with you, man, because it's before your time. Like you, you, you weren't around. Yeah, for he's a boy, young man. buck. Like, yeah, you yeah. just weren't around for it. Brad, I don't know what your excuse is, but I'm I'm extremely disappointed in you. Now, now let me ask you this, Paperboy. I'm watching it a little bit. It still is not coming back to me. Um, would would this so would this be in the arcade or would this be like on a video game like? Uh, 
a console, like an old school console. So both. Like a Nintendo, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on Nintendo and the NES, but it was a game changer because there was an arcade version. Because that's what you know, that's what we're bringing to the table. Here's the best like yeah. arcade games, um, and the arcade game had like actual like bike handlebars. And then it had a button where you had to throw the papers and everything. So it was definitely, like, ahead of its time in terms of just, like, the technology of an arcade game where you actually have bike handlebars that you got to steer on this game. So that's why I chose that one. Interesting. Did you ever have a paper route? No. Or a route? No. No. Casey, you didn't win, know Wintertime, you know, no. in Wisconsin. No, sir. Yeah. No, no paper to, for me. It's hard to, hard to do that. It is funny. Like, I wonder when... I mean, people still get the paper, very few, but... Uh, like, I, when I was in high school, my buddy Pat and I had a paper route. Like, we dropped off papers. We went to the, um, wherever it was, the distributor, and put them all together, rolled them up, stuffed them in the bags, and then we dropped them off. And we had a great route. You know why? Because we had, like, an apartment complex. Okay. So it's and all so everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, well, I know. I, I bike just riding. That's right. Not a, there wasn't, it wasn't the bike route. This was more like once we got our license, too, okay. we were driving this thing. I, I want to say it was a Sunday morning route. So um, I think it was. Uh, it was the big paper. And, uh, boy, it's so funny. Like, if I said that to my kids now, they wouldn't even know what that is. Yeah, the, it's, it's way past them. I'm surprised. Like, I wonder, like, when my son gets to be in high school, if papers are even going to be a thing. I mean, I'm sure they will be. You're right. There's always going to be demand for print. But I don't know, man. We're know, getting I mean, towards the end, I feel like, it, a little bit. It is less and less. In fact, my, my uh, mother-in-law was telling me that in Columbus, they get the Columbus Dispatch, and they actually put the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday paper all as one. Nice. How do they and know so what's like, going to happen? <laughs> like That's a good report. point, too. <laughs> they don't report on what's going on. Like, uh, other than the on, no, online, they do all that stuff. But, like, the coupons and some of the bigger stories... They'll print it, I guess, on Thursday and, and distribute it, and it's for the weekend. It's yeah. no longer a, a, a different paper. I mean, it, listen, newspaper, we know a lot of people in the newspaper business. They have a lot of challenges now from a printing standpoint. But, um, yeah, Paperboy was not a thing for me. Paper route was a thing for me. Gotcha. And now I want to go play. Could I find Paperboy now? Like the like game? I went to an arcade. Yeah, like if I go to an arcade now, you can still play skee ball and you can play uh, Golden Tee, obviously, right here. And then you can yeah. play uh, Pac Man, right? You'll find a Pac Man machine. Yeah. But would you find a Paperboy machine? Or I mean, or you if you if you go to like a retro, you know, like there's a couple of spots now, even in Jacksonville. Well, I've been to the one in Jacksonville, they don't have Paperboy. But, like, you know, there's some places that have like the old school games. You just kind of like, it's like a beer garden with slash like old school arcade games. Uh, there's one in Chicago called Headquarters I went to, and they had Paperboy. So, yeah, I think, like, if you go to the right spot, you can definitely find it, but I'm sure it's pretty rare these days. Yeah. That's They're not making bad. a lot of those. Nah, probably not. Uh, Casey, you got any video games that you'd bring to the table? Or skee-ball for you? Wait, skee-ball? Is that it? Skee-ball? I mean, arcade game, yeah. Yeah. Video game, Madden, FIFA, FIFA you know, yeah. usual. Yeah, video game's different. If you go, Case, but if you go to, like... Casey, I got one for you. NFL Blitz. Did you ever play NFL Blitz in yes. arcade? Yes. That, okay. Paperboy's still on the list, but NFL Blitz that, that in the arcade. Dude, I mean, I, I don't care about the graphics. The fact that you can, like, punch players after the whistle and everything, that's where it was at. Yeah, that was nice. Wow. NFL Blitz, let's go. Now, see, what I would, like, obviously, like, uh, Papa Shot, I guess would, yep. you'd call yep. that, right? Um, but they have the football version as well, where you can throw it through the holes. Sure, sure. Not as fun. Right? 
not as far. You're right. Phones are too fair. small. Um, like, Casey, you go to Dave & Buster's or whatever. Uh -huh. Like, what do you play? Yeah. Skee-ball. Skee-ball. <laughs> yeah, to be honest with you, I go to the ski It's funny is I don't usually go to the Pac-Man machine there because it'll take too long because I'm pretty good at it, uh, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, but skee-ball, I'll go to the Papa Shot stuff. and Skee-ball's a good game, man. Yeah, it's all right. I don't know. It doesn't really do much for me. Like, I, I played it. It's just, I don't know. Like, I can see why it wouldn't do much for you, too. Yeah, it's just but. But there's awesome. something so simplistic like that everybody can play it. Like, like my wife could beat me at skee-ball. She's not going to beat me at, like, Papa Shot. Skee-balling is like a less eventful bowling. And bowling is, like, not the funnest thing to me either. But, like, skee-ball is even worse than that. Me and my dad used to play a lot of uh, air hockey. Oh, oh, air hockey's fun. Oh, that's a good oh, the, the but, old... but by the way, you got to get the USA against Russia. Yeah. In the bubble. So, you know, the bubble. Oh, the bubble hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you call it. Oh, um, now, that's yeah. a good one. That's fun. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Time. Where the yep. puck, like, goes really bouncing around there. That's a fun time. It is a good time. If I had and to get... by the way, that's hard to find. Like, you almost have to go into sports bars, like, in the Midwest to go, find that. Go, 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 go into hockey rinks in the Midwest. Like, every hockey rink that I ever played in as a kid had one of those games. I'm sure they're Did still they really? there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. If I was going to get a machine, by the way, NBA Jam would probably be. Oh, NBA Jam is a Oh, come on now. Yeah. I mean, Jam's a classic, but I would probably go NFL Blitz, though, man. Blitz oh, yeah. is fun. Blitz was ridiculous. Yeah. I don't remember the Blitz, but if you can punch people after plays, I think that would, I can see why you had There was literally no rules in the game. Especially you. It, it, was, it was great. I don't know, Brent, if your kids played video games, but Ty, I'm sure, would be into They used to have this game on PlayStation called MLB Slugfest. Oh, yeah. And it was literally, like, you would run to first base, and if the first baseman had the ball, you could, you could punch him square in the face, <laughs> and, and he would drop stuff. the ball. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was awesome. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez style. Yep, for <laughs> sure. And he was on the cover of the game. <laughs> or like, the, and, <laughs> that's a good point. He was. Awesome. Uh, about that. Eric Nelson says NBA Jam, by the way, to your... Uh, yeah, NBA Jam classic. There we go. Um, hey, a real quick uh, thought about the NBA. Uh, Kyrie Irving, kind of a big deal last night coming back. Uh, played pretty well. What do you make of it? Um, I mean, it's been a long time coming for Kyrie. You know, I think Brooklyn's been able to sustain without him for a while. But um, it's only going to help him now in the East. They're obviously one of the favorite teams if they can stay healthy. And, yeah, it's, it's good to see Kyrie Irving back, you know, despite the, the political stuff and all that good jazz. Yeah, he's still a great player, and it's cool to watch him play. Yeah. Uh, does it change them? Absolutely. Does it, does it change, like, the, the terms of, like, you know, their chances of winning a championship, you're, you're asking? Yeah, even with this, like, off-and-on type stuff. Yeah, I mean, if he's on the floor and he can play, then, yeah, they're, they're just – they're much more dynamic, right? Because now you have him facilitating, and once – you know, we'll see with Harden and everything. But, like, once everybody comes back at full strength, yeah, you, he's going to be the guy that's, you know, running the point. And then all of a sudden, Harden doesn't do so much where he can just kind of pull up and shoot. Kevin Durant can take over when he has to. It's going to add a lot. Like, you saw this last year when they were in the Bucks the playoffs. When Kyrie – when, when they were full strength, the Bucks didn't stand a chance. And then all of a sudden, Harden gets hurt. Obviously, Kyrie Irving went down. And then, you know, they were essentially just a foot away from being on the three-point line of Kevin Durant sealing the game and winning that series against the Milwaukee Bucks last year. Thankfully, the Bucks got lucky, and the rest is history. But, yeah, if you're talking about a team who's talented, I mean, the Nets are that team. Well, Brooklyn's in second place right now in the East, right? Game and a half out. Um, if they didn't make the playoffs and he's playing just half the time, does that help them or hurt them? 
Um, hurt. I mean, it hurts him because he's not playing the full time. Right, exactly. He's <laughs> yeah. good. They well, well I, mean, I mean, is there benefit to having him even for the three games or the four games? But the the lack of continuity. I mean, it's like it's almost like playing with a DH and not a DH in the World Series. Yeah, see, I, I get what you're saying, but I also think the NBA, it's more, I mean, yeah, you have to have chemistry and all that stuff, but it's also a player-dominant league. Like Kevin Durant can take over a game by himself. James Harden can take over a game by himself. Kyrie Irving, if he has to, could probably take over a game by himself. So, yeah, obviously you want him for the whole series, but if he has to sit um, a couple of games, I feel like as long as he's healthy, he can come back, they can overcome that. But to your point, I think it would be in that scenario, it's a lot to have James Harden playing the two. Sure. And then be like, oh, you're now the one again, and now you're back to the two. No, I mean, I think they'll have to have somebody else play the one. It's going to have to change your whole offensive flow, but hopefully you have someone that can, you know, facilitate like Kyrie Irving can, where Harden doesn't have to have the whole brunt of the offense on him. Hey, let's get Steven on the line. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, I think, uh, has a, a question that could turn into a pretty good topic. What's up, Steven? Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing good, man. Absolutely. How you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Just got done with work uh, on my way back to the shop. First of all, since me and Austin, you know, we're pretty much the same age, my go-to games at Arcade Wise is Rampage and Galaga oh. and Jumpman before Donkey Kong and Mario broke out on their own. Uh, Wait one second, Casey. But, I'm sorry, uh, man. Take NFL Blitz back. I'm putting Rampage in the mix now because Rampage was a classic game as well. Because you, you traveled from oh, city yeah. to city, and it was ahead of its time. Because when you went to Green Bay, there was actually cheeseheads. Like, in the city of Green Bay, you would actually burst these buildings, and there'd be, like, people wearing cheeseheads inside. Like, that, that game was ahead of its time. Sorry, man. Please continue. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm all with you. Uh, my question is the whole Calvin Ridley thing. Now that it's been brought up and everything, maybe uh, he needs to change the scenery, maybe to get his head right. And if I could say one thing... I mean, literally one thing good. Apparently, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> dang man. I think I think he was trying was... one thing good on the Jag season. I was hanging on yeah, to that thing man. for a while, and then the tunnel won the day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Stephen. Maybe you can call and tell Casey. Uh, but you, we brought up the most important part of that, mm. and that's Calvin Ridley. There's huh. some stories out of Atlanta. Interesting. Yeah, you brought it up yesterday. Now, uh, the did you see that story before you brought no. that up? No, I didn't. No, I, didn't I, think I, you did. I brought it up like two days ago. That story okay, came out yesterday. Couple. Yeah, yeah, the story came out. Yeah, but you brought it up before the story. Yes. And I wasn't interested. You weren't. You said no. Yeah, I, I don't. My my view on that was, and I remember bringing up like guys like C.J. Henderson and uh, problems with Telvin Smith and the Justin Blackmans. And while the all situations are all different, I just don't know if the Jags can take risks on those kind of guys right now. You know, like I don't. It, it, it doesn't seem like they could. Now you could say, okay, what about injuries? Well, injuries are part of the game. It, you got to take your chances on those, but. Um, now that the story's reported and it actually could happen, <laughs> I start to feel a little bit different. Ah, now we're changing tunes. I like it. Well, well, because I felt like the way you posed the question to me was like, would you go chase after him and say, hey, Atlanta, are you interested? Mm -hmm. well, well, now if it's more like, hey, I want out and there might be 
you know, multiple places that would take him, would you get in that game? I would probably say yes. I don't know how you could not, but I got to vet the hell out of that one, man. We've heard different things. Like, we actually heard something, I think, in the middle of the season that he just didn't like what was going on in Atlanta. Mm. Um, and I don't know how true that was, but... I mean, we don't really know the severity and what's going on with him, um, his mental frame of mind and how much he wants to play football. I think he's a dangerous guy, but I think one you have to explore and bet out. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like, I think Calvin Ridley, you definitely take a look at him. I understand that he walked away from the game a little bit to get his mental health right, but there's other players out there that have done the same, and they've come back, and, you know, they've been fun. I think Hayden Hurst is a prime example. Now, he wasn't in the NFL when that happened, but Hayden yeah. Hurst went through some issues. Um, you know, he got those corrected and everything, and now look at him. He's, he's, he's thriving. He's still flourishing, playing for Atlanta, uh, ironically. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all about Calvin Ridley, man. Do you think you have to be extra cautious, like this organization right now has to be extra cautious with potential players like that, though? But is Calvin Ridley that, a distraction? That might backfire. That, that, no, 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 just that might backfire as an investment. Like, you go lean on him, you're like, hey, we think he's going to do XXX. Sure. And he's like, well, I'm not even going to play five games into the year for 10. You know what I mean? No, I mean, I, I get that point. But at the same time, I mean, do you have the arsenal right now to feel confident going forward? Or are you trying to reload as much as possible with great players? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and that's why I've probably changed my mind in the last couple of days. Nice. It's good, it's good to have you on board, Brent. Yeah, whatever. Someday Sunshine <laughs> and Rainbows is going to be back. We'll be back. Uh, and by the way, that is actually a very Sunshine and Rainbows look at Calvin Ridley. So maybe you're on my team. Uh, we'll, yep. be, we'll be back actually Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 live from String Sports Brewery here in Springfield. It, it's definitely not a situation you would want to be in, but I mean, um, it's, it's obviously a, a turn because nobody knows what's gonna happen. Nobody is, is gonna be a new coach. Um, we don't we don't really know what's gonna happen uh, position-wise with anything. So um, it could be a whole new group of people in here, and you may or may not fit their scheme. Like there's a lot of stuff that runs through players' minds. So I mean, it's, it's definitely not a favorable situation. I'd rather be at this time talking about how we're gonna go to the playoffs and you know what I mean, fun stuff. But yeah, this this definitely. This is real life, and um, um, it, it's just kind of a time right now where we're all just excited to be together for the last time and um, enjoy each other and whatever may happen may be. But, yeah, this is the last time all of this group of people will be together. That's Miles Jack today. I do get the sense that this team likes each other. <laughs> Some teams don't, right? <laughs> well, trust me, man, when you go through a lot of adversity, you – you bond together and you learn to grow together for sure. So yeah. I'm sure this locker room that we see before us, uh, that we'll see before us on Sunday, is a pretty tight-knit locker room. Yeah, and I think you get that feel. I mean, players we've talked to and um, I think the way they did have responded I think speaks to that. Uh, probably some frustrating moments in there, but it, I think maybe not as much infighting as you could have had given all the circumstances and uh, really – for lack of a better term, a, a miserable season. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, uh, live at String Sports Brewery here on a Thursday. Jaguars All-Access coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Jags play the season finale Sunday at home against the Indianapolis Colts. I brought this up yesterday. It's something that kind of came out yesterday, that teams could be in trouble or draft picks and fines could happen if they don't ask the right questions at yeah. the NFL Combine, Austin. Uh, music to your ears, I bet, right? Uh, yeah. That, that's something I would think from the past 
You know, just about every time around the combine time, you tell us some stories about some of the questions that you got and others have had yeah. at the combine, which just seem way out of bounds and ridiculous. And we've heard multiple stories over the years. But uh, do you think uh, this is a good move by the NFL to punish teams for such questions? Yeah, it's it's an absolutely fantastic move because, like, the way that I perceived it back in 2010 when I would get these outlandish, stupid questions is I pictured that scout or that personnel guy sitting in a bar after the whole combine saying, hey, I, I, I saw Selene this one. <laughs> and then, like, they're just laughing in a circle because it means absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, I, I've shared some of mine before. If you could kill somebody, would you use a knife or a gun? Not sure that's new about football. Really have no idea at all. Uh, do you wear boxers or briefs? Who gives a damn? You know, I, I, I said boxers. I, what does that have to do with, you know, can I play in a 3-4 defense or a 4-3 defense? So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's all about, I think, in, back then, and I'm sure it's changed even now, but, like, I think back then it's all about just saying, hey, we're in the power position we're going to make you feel uncomfortable, and we're going to watch how you respond if you're like, uncomfortable. Just turn on the film. Watch how uh, an offensive tackle responds to a blitz, or watch how a quarterback you know, re responds to a certain type of coverage. Watch how, watch how uh, a defensive end responds to a double team and handles that kind of pressure. Watch that stuff. You don't need to ask stupid questions and waste everybody's time. Yeah, I think from an adverse situation, I mean, it's an adversity-filled game to begin with. I mean, just your preparation for it, your your workouts for it, your growing up around it. I mean, everything about the game speaks to adversity. What the hell does a question like that or a, an insulting question um, like anything add to the, to the resume and what you're going to do on a field and why you would want them inside your organization? Uh, now, listen. There are some things that are fair fair game. If it's on your resume uh, and something happened and you want to ask about, oh, okay, how, how, what did you learn from and all that other thing stuff. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to just these oddball questions, to your point, I, I think you just put it in a, in a really good way. I don't know how anybody, uh, I've done interviews before and, and helped hire people before, and I don't understand how any of those kind of questions would lead me to like a candidate more or less um, and tell me really about how they're going to fit, you know, in, in my workplace. So what you just said about coaches at the bar, like in Indianapolis after a couple of rounds of interviews saying, yeah, that's the one I asked today. Like, I think you're not too far off. No. Like, I, I would be surprised if at some point this all started with like this inside bet of who's going to ask the most insane question. No, I'm I'm sure that has something to do with it. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know? And, it, I mean, I don't have a lot of regrets, really, in my life in general, or a lot of regrets, you know, playing the game of football. But, like, one of the biggest... Because you got to remember, at that time, back in 2010, like, I was still, you know, I was bright-eyed. I was, you know, enamored with the moment, and I tried to purvey you know, the yes sir, yes sir, no sir kind of thing because I was a small school guy, so I had to make the best impression possible because I felt like I was behind the eight ball a little bit because I didn't have, I mean, I had good tape, but it wasn't tape against SEC opponents where it just means more. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I had to showcase my personality of I'm a guy that can, quote, unquote, be a soldier and fall in line and yes sir and no sir and all this stuff. So then when a scout asks me, and I've said this before, but he asked me, do you find your mother attractive? Like, the Austin Lane right now, 
would have been so taken back by that where it, it may have ended in some kind of verbal altercation or even worse because, like, that's – you don't need to ask me that. Like, that's not appropriate, you know? But the Austin Lane back in 2010 was oh, – like, what does that have to do with football? Just answer the question. Yes, sir. Then I'll then I answer the question. I'm like, I think my mom's a beautiful lady. I'm not attracted to her by any means. But I think she's a beautiful lady. Like, that was me kind of giving in to the whole toxic system because I was scared. I, I was afraid that if I didn't answer those questions, if, if, if I was, you know, quote-unquote hard to deal with and they write this down, well, that could affect my draft status. The Austin Lane now would have not have accepted that kind of question, but it, just, it is what it is. But I'm glad those questions are starting to get, you know, you know, tapered out and hopefully gone for good because they're pointless, they're useless, and I think it makes the the shield that it makes NFL teams look bad. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and uh, again, we, we've had these conversations before, and uh, yeah, I always appreciate sharing those kind of stories because it, it takes you inside. We've been to the Combine before, but you're never going to get, you know, unless you're in the room, you really don't know what's going on. So uh, you've been in that room, and that's a dangerous place to be. And I and I wonder that, Austin, do you think finally the NFL's like, all right, this is dumb? Or do you think they did this almost in a scared kind of way? Where like, hey, uh, if if somebody keeps doing this and asks the wrong question, uh, we're going to be in a whole bunch of trouble from a PR hit standpoint and maybe even more. No, I, I and it's sad that it, it came to that, but that's exactly, I think, what happened. I think more and more players started to share their stories and make it public and once the public found out and kind of voiced their disdain for it then i felt had no choice but to say okay we got to stop asking these questions you know that's what it took it took up and listen i'm it wasn't my doing like yeah I, i tweeted about stuff that was said and was used in articles and stuff but like so many players have come out and said the dumb questions that are asked i think just a collective of those types of players you know getting put in the spotlight getting headlined yeah, it makes the NFL look bad. It makes teams look bad. It makes scouts look bad. And eventually got to be too much. Yeah, listen, you've shared yours. Yours are bad enough, but actually there are worse questions out there that have been asked. I'm just happy, and it's funny you brought this up. So last night I got, a, like, in my mentions it said that your quote has been used in an article. The, the, uh. the, 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 the New York Post used my – I'm in the New York Post today. You got the New York Post on it. Yeah. It, it, like, I got a special tweet saying that the New York Post has used one of your quotes. I don't know how that like Twitter works. But it said your tweet was quoted in an article by The Post. There you go. You made it big time. Hey, man, there we go. So when would that have even been? You probably did that, like, a while ago, right? When I put out the tweets? Yeah. Like, this wasn't a recent tweet. No, no. This was this was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know the exact date, but, yeah, it was years ago. Um, wow. What a That's just a bizarre deal. But it's good by the NFL to finally get rid of it, uh, and, and they should and make the combine questions more about football and the actual interview process and also uh, make the combine maybe about going on the board and seeing who fits your team and seeing what their football IQ is, yeah. <laughs> you know, and also the Wonderlick going to be gone. I think that's also a good thing, or it could be. Yeah, it could uh, be. That is the report. Um, I think the Wonderlick's kind of a stupid thing <laughs> no, it as is, well. For sure. Uh, so, hey, uh, Brett Morton, uh, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a Thursday, live from String Sports Brewery. We're going to go to Chicago, Illinois right now, and we are joined by uh, Dave Barnett, the Flagler baseball coach. First time we've we've had Coach Barnett on the show, and uh, oh, shame on us. We probably should have uh, before this, but it's time to celebrate Coach Barnett going into the Hall of Fame this weekend up there at the ABCA convention. 
Uh, Coach, congratulations. What's happening up there? How's the weather? Okay, I can't hear Coach Barnett. Uh, Casey, is Coach Barnett, Barnett on the line? Is, did he answer? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I lose you? Oh, okay, you there? there you go. I got you now. There he is. Um, okay, I'm sorry, hey, Coach. Brent. I was just... I don't know if you heard me. I said it was 15 degrees out and that the yeah. wind chill's probably below zero. And I'm just looking out my hotel room window and ready to get that's, back to Florida. Yeah, that sounds – hey, hey, Coach, that sounds like uh, opening day for the Ashland University Eagles kind of weather. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's back right. in the day. <laughs> um, uh, well, anyway, oh, uh, sorry, uh, we, we had a little miscommunication there, but congratulations. Uh, what's this mean to you after all these years? Uh, you know, more than 30-plus years, uh, more than three decades at, at Flagler and all the different things you've done in the baseball world. It's a huge convention uh, that the ABCA puts on in their Hall of Fame induction. Uh, what's it mean to you to go in there? Well, I'm, I'm very grateful, Brent, for the, that the committee voted me in. And, you know, I know I've been doing it a long time, but really it's a matter of being around some great people through the years. You know, starting with really the guy that gave me a chance in coaching was Dwayne Banks from the University of Iowa. And, um, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame and Lefty Gomez Award winner and learned a lot from him. And then just a lot of people along the way. You know, I've had a lot of good assistants, a lot of good players, obviously. And, um, you know, just been able to surround myself with good people, uh, some intentional, some not intentional. Just been <laughs> blessed to be around some good guys. Uh, you've seen a lot uh, through the years and all those decades. Obviously, a fantastic program down there uh, in St. Augustine with uh, Flagler College. How much has the game changed in your estimation? How much have you changed over time with it? Well, you know, the game has changed, and there's no question with the technology and, and all that. And, and I try to do my best to conform to it. I, I don't think baseball in general has changed. I mean, you still have to hit the ball. You still have to catch the ball and throw, throw strikes and you know, score runs and, and that type of thing. But, uh, you know, metrics has played a part. And, uh, you know, I think the kids are are still just as good. They're probably better, better players now than there were, you know, a few decades ago, or at least more better players, you know, more to choose from. Uh, kids that, you know, kids throw harder, pitchers throw harder, guys hit the ball harder. Uh, their bodies are better than they were, you know, when I first started coaching. So, it, the game's probably overall the, the the betterment of the game. I think is is there. It's just that uh, I still don't think baseball is a science. Yeah, uh, it, it's a kind of a mix right now too. And and uh, from an old school, new school, and and maybe somewhere in the middle, uh, it all lies. Uh, Dave Barnett, Flagler College baseball coach, going into the ABCA Hall of Fame this weekend up in Chicago, Illinois, where it's not baseball weather, by the way, in January up there in Chicago. Uh, you mentioned uh, you got your start at Iowa. Was there somebody that reached out to you uh, when they heard about this news really back in July that you were going in um, that, that kind of uh, tugged at the heartstrings maybe a little bit more than others? Well, yeah, I mean, they, they let me know. And I and I, I think, you know, Dwayne Baggs, somebody just told me this today at the committee. I didn't know. He evidently has something to do with that Hall of Fame committee. So he, uh, I know that he probably put in a good word, or I assume he did. But, uh, you know, the guy that really pushed it uh, for me was a guy named Link Jarrett. He's now the head coach at University yeah. of Notre Dame. And Absolutely. I don't know if you know that name, but Link was my assistant for three years at Flagler, right, when he finished playing ball with the Colorado Rockies and and uh, got his coaching uh, 
start with me at Flagler and, and then went on to Florida State as a volunteer and then as, you know, Eastern Carolina and Mercer. And he had a lot of different roads to get to where he is now. But, but uh, you know, he, he really wrote a nice uh, letter on my behalf. And he had some other people. Our athletic director, Judd Damon, wrote a nice letter. And then Mike Fox, he used to be the head coach at North Carolina, was my teammate when I was when I played at North Carolina. He wrote a nice letter. So, you know, again, just like I said before, Brett, you know, good people that I've been surrounded by, and and uh, you know, they owe a lot to all those all those guys. Why did you end up staying at Flagler for so long? Uh, you just mentioned a lot. Link Jarrett, obviously, Notre Dame. Uh, you were play. You played at North Carolina. You were at Iowa. Uh, you've done a whole bunch of different things in your career. Uh, Flagler, of course, uh, where you went. So um, is, is there just a tie to you love the, the Flagler Saints and St. Augustine? and Or was it just a perfect fit to stay as long as you did? I'm sure over the years you had opportunities to either join other staffs or, or maybe go somewhere else. Well, no, I appreciate you saying that. I, you know, no, I, my, group, my roots kind of grew in St. Augustine and, married a local girl and and uh, you know it's just it's a it's a great city it's a great city it's a great institution flagler college is a beautiful school beautiful campus and the administration you know it was a it was a slow process but they you know they supported me as as time went on we finally you know built a pretty nice stadium out there and and got some things done from a facility standpoint and and the budgets have gotten better scholarships have gotten better and and quite frankly, back in those early years when I was coaching, Brett, college baseball coaches weren't making the money they were now. You know, yeah. so it was a you know you know you really didn't you took a job and you didn't look to move. You know, Mike Martin was a good example. There's a lot of other guys that just stayed there. It wasn't the landscape was different financially, so you didn't really you weren't looking for the next best dollar, I guess, back in those times. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and, the, boy, the baseball money has is, <laughs> is grown big time, hasn't it? How about these facilities being built? I, I think Ole Miss just said they were going to put $40 million in. You know what it's like at Mississippi State and the ACC. I mean, Link Jarrett, where he is, and, and Notre Dame, we've been up there and seen their facility, too. I mean, it, it's amazing. These things are the money. Did you ever expect the money and maybe even college baseball to be as, as big it, as it now is? Oh, no, no, it wasn't. Even when I was at Iowa, Dwayne Banks was a really well-known coach, and, and he, uh, who knows what he made, maybe 50000 back in the mid-'80s, and, and that was on the high end. And then I'll never forget Augie Garrido, if you know that name. Yes, absolutely. When he got Texas. the job at University of Illinois, um, and he only stayed there for a few years, but it was word got around real quick. Uh, the scuttlebutt was, man, oh, man, he's making $100,000. And this was wow. back in the, probably the late, late-'80s. And that was like, I guess, like that Dan McConnell making a million, signed a 10-year contract with Louisville for a million a year. <laughs> so so it's a whole different. These guys are making good money now, but they got to win. You know, at that level, there's no, uh, no patience. Yeah, some of that's inflation, but that's bigger than inflation. <laughs> no doubt about it. Right. Hey, uh, tell, <laughs> hey give, me, give me a story. Uh, back North Carolina, you guys went to the College World Series, right, in Omaha when you were there? Yep. And you led the team in hitting. Yeah, so what was – we've been out to Omaha. Obviously, we've been the new stadium now. But what what was Omaha like in, like, 1978? How big was the World Series yeah. there then? Well, a lot of people came. I remember we had 15,000 at the game, and it was in the old wow. Rosenblatt Stadium. But what was interesting, you know, the following year is when ESPN in 1979 
televised the first final. They just they televised just the final game of the World Series in '79, and then, of course, it took off from there with being a you know a TV spectacle. But uh, but it was it was it was great. I mean, we were just young guys that you know I I, I look back and and we really didn't we had a good team, but not the kind of players that. You know, or you see in the World Series now, we, we joke, we had a reunion. Mike Fox, I said, I told you, was my teammate in North Carolina back then, and then he became the head coach at North Carolina and just retired last year. But he, um, he, we, he had, we had a reunion a few years ago, and, and we're, we were just laughing all of this because we're all in our 60s, and, 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 and we're looking at all these players that have played there. I mean, you, you just, I mean, you go down the list, all these major leaguers that, that they've had come out of there since, and we joked that said, "God, we wouldn't probably even make the team now." <laughs> but the kind of players they've had. I mean, they've had some a lot, lot of great, great players. Hey, but, listen, uh, but it was a great experience. You're not, you're not the only one there. I, I don't think today's day and age I'd play college baseball. I got lucky to walk on. I don't think I'd even make a team anymore. So uh, I agree with you there. Uh, you're, I think, if my records, if my uh, notes are right. I think you're 18 wins away from 1,000 in your career. I mean, that's incredible number. Uh, will that mean something to you? Well, you know, not not really, Brett. To be honest with you, I mean, it'll mean a lot to the players. I mean, the players win the games, and and that's just. I mean, I somehow have been able to stay the course at Flagler and and stay in the game for this long, which I'm I'm grateful for that. But uh, you know, those those milestones, I guess, are milestones. Just just happened and. But, you know, they never put uh, your number of wins on your gravestone that I know of. So, you know, it's just uh, just a number. Uh, Dave Barnett with us going into the ABCA Hall of Fame this weekend in Chicago, Illinois. He's a longtime uh, baseball coach and a darn good one at uh, Flagler College. I'm not going to try to force you into retirement or send you that way, but how much you got left? Uh, are you about done? Or you got a lot more left in you? What are you thinking? Well, I don't know, Brent. I, I heard your son's a pretty good player. What grade's he at? Is he a, is he a sophomore or junior? He's a sophomore, so you got a couple more years until you get in. <laughs> can you hang on? Okay, well, I'll have to see if I can hang on. Then i got to factor in those four years, right? Because So I don't, I don't know. I might not make it that long, but, <laughs> but we'll see. We, we, as long we, as they'll keep me. We'd sign up for that, that's for sure. Uh, all right, got to ask you one more thing. That people will know this if they're listening. I think they'd be intrigued to know that uh, you were, I mean, part of your resume is um, uh, from Omaha to North Carolina to Iowa to coaching the New York Penn League, uh, which is really cool, the Montreal Expos organization. But uh, you were part of the king and his court, the, bit, the famous softball uh, quartet. What, what was that? Give, give us something from those days because I think some of the folks listening will be like, like Casey's our producer. He's a young guy. He'll be like, what the heck is that? But other people will be, yeah. I mean, the king in his court was a huge thing uh, back in the day. What was that like playing softball with uh, and barnstorming with them? Well, it was an education to say the least, but uh, that was for the young viewers that have never heard of it. It's, it's a four-man fast-pitch softball team. Eddie Fainer was the pitcher, and uh, you couldn't hit him. I mean, he just was phenomenal. And he and he used to say, the only reason I have four guys in case we get the bases loaded. He said, otherwise, I'd just have me and my catcher and strike everybody out. But <laughs> but he, uh, you know, we barnstormed the country, I mean, all over the United States. And we, in fact, we played in Saudi Arabia. We played 
uh, just all over the – he's played all over the world, but the four years I've played with him, we've played basically in every state in the continental U.S. and every province of Canada and then took a trip to Saudi Arabia and Bahamas. And, and we played we played 220 games in six months. So we were basically traveling gypsies that would put on these uh, four-man fast-pitch team against a nine-man fast-pitch team, and we'd win most of the games. It's uh, incredible. Uh, if you don't know King of His Court, look it up. But uh, that does—I think—that is pretty cool that that you were a part of that. Do you think it's kind of cool now that, I mean, it's it's part of like the history of, of the game and sport. Yeah, it, it was a it was a great time in my life. I mean, it was a long story. I, oh, I'll make it real quick. But I I just fell into that by accident. I was I got released by Montreal. I played just a year of minor league ball with Montreal, and I was trying to get back in the game and. And Eddie Fainer and his team was coming in to play in Sanford, and I was working out in Sanford, Florida. And and literally an hour before the game, whoever he had playing shortstop quit or got fired or something. And all these guys were from California. But anyway, I filled in that night. I just was a filling for Eddie Fainer. I ended up playing for them instead of against them. And then after the game, he said, "Would you would you fill in for about six weeks until I can get till my son gets out of law school? Then he's he normally plays shortstop." So I did that for six weeks, and I came back and told all my friends. I said, "Yeah, I just played. You know, I had a couple Polaroid pictures proving that I played and everything." Well, then that next year or you know off season, he called and said, "Would you play full time?" He goes, "We got an opening," and so for the next gosh three or four years, I played with him full time. That's an awesome story. Very good stuff. Uh, uh, all right, I'll leave you with this. How often, in as you coach these kids, do you tell them a, a little bit about your journey because of what it means to just be in the sport of baseball? And and like you just said, the people that you've been able to meet, the opportunities it's afforded from uh, King and his court and traveling all over the world to uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and then the experiences there to now being at Flagler for more than three decades as a b- baseball coach and uh, now going into the Hall of Fame. How much do you try to share that uh, as much as you try to teach the fundamentals and try to win win baseball games down there? Well, you know, I, I don't, you know, bore with my resume or what I did, but I do tell them about baseball being, you know, the relationships that you build with your teammates, that especially at the college level, which lasts forever. You know, a lot of, you know, high school, you, you, you might stay in touch with a few of your high school friends, but those, when you play a college sport, in a sport like baseball, that you're you're friends for life. I mean, I still have guys that I played with. I mentioned Mike Fox and and other guys that I played with that we still keep in touch. You know, and that's uh, I think the relationships that you build uh, just by being on a baseball team are you know they're they're great. I mean, they're they last forever. Well, absolutely, and I know uh, all those relationships and the people you know are really proud of you this weekend and happy for you. Congratulations uh, on your recognition and induction into the ABCA Hall of Fame. Uh, Well-earned, Dave Barnett. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us. Well, thank you so much, Brent. All right, have a good weekend. Safe travels. You too. Thank you. All right, uh, that's Dave Barnett, Flagler uh, baseball coach, uh, long-time Flagler baseball coach, and should hit uh, 1,000 wins this upcoming season uh, going into the uh, Hall of Fame. Cool to talk and, and catch up with him. Uh, I sometimes think we had the Flagler basketball team on last year a little bit, Casey and, and Austin. Uh, we don't celebrate Flagler, what they're doing down there, what they've done down there over the years. Uh, Dave Barnett's been a staple, uh, certainly, 
of that program. So uh, congratulations to him. We're going to get going with uh, football at five. Coming back from String Sports Brewery in Springfield. Jaguars All Access coming up tonight at seven as well. We'll take a look at the playoff picture in the NFL. What's the big games coming up? Who do you think is going to go to the Super Bowl as it sits right now? So a lot to be played and a lot I to get to here. <laughs> Thursday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Please, not the Titans. <laughs> Please, not the Titans. Casey's probably going to win the uh, fantasy football. I can't have him pick the Super Bowl right either. Uh-oh. Oh, did oh, you no. beat Brent for the? Oh, I beat, oh, I beat the crap out of Brent. Brent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brent's sure. in, the third, <laughs> in sure. the third place game. But right now, I'm in the championship. I'm, I'm in a situation. I'm in a quarterback situation. Don't get me wrong. I dropped Derek Carr because I thought Fields was going to play. Sure. It turns out he has COVID. Yeah. So he's not going to play. So now I got to let the waiver wire do its thing. Yeah. Get Derek Carr back. Or okay. I need Trey Lance to start for San Francisco. But here's the deal. I'm up like 40 points on Aaron. So it's Meanwhile, either going to be okay. the collapse of all collapses or okay. I'm going to win it in my first year. I like your style. Meanwhile, I feel like we need a new commissioner. I'll explain why next on ESPN 690.